Coming up next on Beyond the Clef, I'm here with retired director from Klein High School, Randy Vaughn, and we're going to be talking about how he utilizes his instrument to uh, work with children every day when he goes out. Uh, that's all coming up next on Beyond the Clef. Beyond the Clef is presented by Director's Choice. That's right. So we're here with Randy Vaughn, uh, retired from Klein High School. Thank you so much for being on the program. Hey, you bet. Glad yeah. to be here. Yeah. So uh, we met a while ago now, the very start of my career, when I was at Kingwood Park High School with John Nielsen. And, I remember uh, that. Yeah, you came over and, and worked with us. It was always so fantastic to come in and, and have, you, have you come and work with us. I was always in awe when you came in. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it was fun. I remember those days back at Kingwood High School, new school. Yeah. And uh, Kingwood Park High School. Uh, yeah, Kingwood Park. Yeah, and, it's always confusing for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I did work with Kingwood High School yeah. too. But, yeah. yeah, Kingwood Park. So, um, and I remember you as a young director, and uh, you're very eager and very smart. And uh, and then you don't remember me. I, you're confusing me with somebody else. I think <laughs> <laughs> not true, not true. Yeah, I enjoyed, and those Kingwood Park kids were great kids too. Right. Yeah, right. I enjoyed doing that. Well, you know, when you came in, something that I'd love to talk to you about when you came in. It, there was a a way that you were with the kids and, and that you were always so positive and then also uh, you um, would just bust out that flute and play all the time it was yeah. something that that I, I see a lot of people do that of course but sure. um, I think that's one of the most remarkable things that you do is you take out the flute and you start playing and you would play anything on that page horn parts trumpet parts flute parts and it, we were, I think, working on back then La Gaza Ladra. Um, so it's, you know, a pretty choppy piece, but you just go through. Um, tell me about your kind of philosophy with playing as a clinician. Well, I, I do not go to a clinic without my flute. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have it. Right. Because is it with you right now? Uh, it, uh, actually, it is. <laughs> it's, uh, well, a, it's like well, at a holster. You, right, you can pull right. it out at any time. But, uh, yeah, I, I use that, and it started back in college. I, Dr. Gary Garner was my mentor and my band director and flute teacher at West Texas State University. And, and uh, he taught us and me to, to transpose all the different instruments. So I owe it to him my ability to do that. And you know, when you do clinics, I found that it is so much uh, more efficient and the students seem to pick up information way quicker when I pick up my flute and tell them how I want it played, you know, and, and just play it. And uh, we were talking earlier, you know, I was in uh, Lubbock at uh, Friendship High School several years ago doing a clinic, and I'll never forget this. I was working with the second band, and they had played something slow and lyrical. And so I just got out my flute and played the melody section, how I wanted it to be played. And I'll never forget this. I, I finished the phrasing and I looked at the students and it seemed like everyone in the band was like this. <laughs> they were just looking at me and I thought, okay, I related to them what I wanted and then we played it again and it was beautiful. So rather than say, okay, try to do this smoother and, and talk them through it by demonstrating with my flute, I felt like that we saved a lot of time and they got to hear me play and anyway, it was... Uh, uh, I do like to use my flute a lot. 
but thank you for saying that. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I do have still have trouble with the French horn transpositions. So, <laughs> but well, there's still time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still got to go uh, practice. I'll keep, I, I will. I will. It uh, it really gets across so much more uh, about the articulation and the phrasing and everything right. than just trying to tell them, explain it to them. Exactly. Right. right. And okay, so I actually come um, from an instrument. I, I play the bassoon, and so sometimes that getting it out and the you know it's right. 19 20 different parts and you know there you're you getting go. all the things together and then it's not really a mobile thing and you can get a strap so it's hard for me and uh and i actually remember you doing that so now i try to um learn uh trumpet better oh okay. good and so good. I, i've been working on my sound um uh mutual friend of ours uh, alan hannon uh I was playing in front of the kids once, and after the class, he goes, "You shouldn't do that. You don't have a good sound yet." And so I've been practicing. That's but, great. Um, let me ask you some advice. How can I get better at transposing and working with kids in the way that you do on insert instrument, any instrument for our younger audience? Um, you said you learned about transposing from Gary Garner. Um, what is kind of the start, and where do you think people could start practicing that? Well, what you want to do is just, you know decide what instruments you want to play and then just uh, just start doing it you just you know make sure that you're doing the right uh, conversion <laughs> on the transposition and and uh, just do it slow and just practice you know it's funny I have a brother who uh, taught band in Monhans Texas uh, for Dan Gibbs back in, a long time ago and and a long time ago and Monahans had two honor bands and Ronnie my brother was his junior high director so this guy could teach he he has since went into another business Jostens Enterprises but uh, we went hiking here a few weeks ago up in Colorado and he was a sax player but he's now practicing flute so uh, he's I mean but he's not doesn't have anything to do with music but he still enjoys playing and he's been working on flute so I took my flute up there, and we we played duets together, and it was so much fun. We hadn't played together in probably 25 years, so here we were playing duets. But yeah, so you know, another thing, you maybe uh, see if you could work on the learning the flute. Uh, you know, it's just so light and easy to use. So I know talking about the bassoon, that's that's right. got to be tough because of the <laughs> well, <laughs> no. and it's it's a has such an interesting dexterity that it can't imitate a lot of the sounds that you're going to need to require right um, exactly to, in order to teach so yeah. it, uh, and uh, there also is something that the, with your sound it's just so present in the room you know flute is not a, it, it, flute played well can fill up an entire room and that's something else that you do so well yeah well thank you yeah. Uh, how could somebody get better at their at their flute sound let's say like, like yeah. let's, let's transition this to um, uh, the teacher out there that wants their flute players to be better. What's what's maybe the the best uh, advice you have for them? You know, I I have a lot of uh, directors that I work with that are now working on different instruments. And the main thing is just don't be afraid to get it out and start practicing. And you know, you can get help. Uh, uh, get somebody to give you a lesson here and there. There's always people willing to help. That's what's so great about Texas. Man, I mean, this state is just, no one is selfish with their information. You know, we're competitive, but yet everybody wants to help. If you just ask for help, uh, you know, these Texas band directors are, are willing to, to help you out, you know? 
Right. Okay, well, what about uh, uh, students? How can I make my flute students better? Well, that's a pretty broad topic, but yeah, what, are, yeah. what, are your, what are your overall flute concepts that, that you really hone on? Maybe top three. You know, um, the, the main thing is I think uh, not many now, the teaching is such a high level, but I think sometimes in our quest to get to the whole instrument and to get fingers moving, which is important, I think some of us go too soon off of the head joint, uh, the mouthpiece. I, I think you need to stay uh, every day for weeks and weeks and even in you know several months, starting each day just by working with the head joint and making sure that you make a, a really good sound. And, and you have to be very detailed uh, with you know watching what they're doing basically what I try to do is give them less information at first and just tell them general things and then see how they do and then if there's a problem get more specific information but yeah the main thing is sticking with the uh, the embouchure and the head joint. That right. would be number one. Yeah, and, and I think a couple of years ago, my assistant and I tried an experiment with our articulation, um, just in general, for all our instruments. And you were just saying, um, give them a little less information and then find out the problem. So instead of going through and figuring out um, or trying to explain how to articulate to so many kids, what we did is just we, we said, okay, very general, very vague. Okay, this is what I want you to do with your tongue. And then we went down the row and out of the 10 kids, let's say, two weren't doing it like we wanted it to. So we pulled those two kids out separately and had wow, them work on it. Terrific. The rest of the kids, we didn't say anything and sure. they already know how to do it. That's so, smart. Yeah, yeah that's it was, great. It was, uh, <laughs> it was an interesting and scary experiment because yeah. you're like, oh no, are we going to screw it up? Yeah, you know, I, I just feel like as you know, as directors, we want to get in there and make it perfect and our standards are high, but sometimes you can almost get in the way of the kids uh, if you just, you know, give them less information, if they're using good posture, a nice, big, full breath without tension, let the air in, let it back out, and explain the embouchure you want. Start with that. Yeah. So as we're sitting here at uh, TBA 2019, SMSE 2019, uh, I see your audience member here, your wife. Cindy, my Is lovely wife, she's a joining you. pianist and oh, okay. former oboe player and clarinet player. And right, right. It always helps to be married to a musician if you're a yes, band director, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, let me just ask you just kind of a general question and just to peak, peak a conversation here. Um, uh, when you're working with a group, what is your overall concept of sound that you're trying to get after? Wow. Boy, that's, that's a um, great question and a tough one to answer. I have in my head what I think a, a good uh, overall band sound is and the different instruments, how I think they should sound. And anyway, I know kind of what I want, and I was that way with my own band at Klein. And, you know, I have, never forget Eddie Green, who's uh, uh, one of the giants in, in Texas uh, education. He, he said, just remember, make it your sound that you want. And uh, your band is not going to sound like somebody else across the street or another part of Houston or Dallas. Uh, now, that's kind of broad, but as long as it's uh, a, a clear, resonant, pure tone and they play in tune uh, you know I know there's good and bad sounds so uh, 
Uh, so yes, we, we have to have good sounds. And I think most of that comes from just good air support and correct embouchures. If you have the correct embouchure and the correct speed of the air with a natural face, and um, I think uh, a lot of us, and I used to do this in rehearsals, is try to move too fast and I was tense and that tension would go to my students. And uh, so I've learned to like try to stay relaxed as I rehearse and, and remind the students to, you know, uh, use good posture. And I know sometimes when you've got a four-year all-sitter sitting there and they're slouching a little bit, they don't like to be told to sit up. But uh, it's, that's really important that they have good posture and, and a nice deep breath and a natural, uh, without tension face. Um, then they should be able to produce a pretty good sound, you know? And uh, you want to play, well, I learned this yesterday in the Capel Clinic. Um, they said, play the volume of the instrument. And I've never heard that before, I like that. In other words, if it's a trombone, you know, I, I hear a lot of trombone players playing with tent, teeth too close together, and it, it's a pretty big instrument, so it takes a lot of air. So, um, that's like play the size of the instrument. And for junior high, that's a big instrument. It's hard to get that concept because they keep their teeth together and, and then the sound is pretty small. But that's just an example, right? Yeah. You know, you um, referred to already uh, Eddie Green and Gary Garner, uh, two uh, mentors of yours in various forms. Um, we, of course, have heard these names, sure. uh, but some of the younger directors just hear that they're great and don't always necessarily know why. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, those two men and what they've done in the industry and uh, uh, give us a little bit of a history on them well, from your perspective? Great, yeah, that's a great question, too. Uh, well, you know, Gary Garner, I uh, went to West Texas because he, my first year at West Texas, it was then called State University, now it's called West Texas A&M, uh, was my first year was Gary Garner's first year. And he had been the marching band director at USC he came in and I heard him play flute and I knew that's where I wanted to go. And it was one of the smartest decisions I've ever made because he, he was, think about Gary Garner, he was insistent on everything being correct. You know, uh, rhythms, uh, articulation. He had high standards in all the basic conceptual things that we do as band directors. And, uh, Anyway, he, uh, West Texas was good then, but he transformed it into one of the finer college uh, ensembles in the country, I, I feel like, and then I owe so much to him. And uh, Anyway, it's just high standards. And then when I went to Houston after I left Hereford High School, went to Houston, uh, that's when I started to work with Eddie Green a little bit. And, um, you know, I was a little bit nervous because I, I, I just... Uh, you know, I, I just uh, was just nervous, but he came in and he was so great with the kids, so friendly, and he allowed me to still be me and do what I do, but he has a new way, a different way of saying things that made my band sound better. I was amazed, I'd be, we'd be playing, and he'd come in and he would just make a short sentence about do this and this and this, and the band, the sound, and, and the way they played would be, it would transform just in one sentence. He, he was amazing in that way. 
I, and I can remember also him, we were doing a GN festival, and we had a brass, full brass and percussion rehearsal after school, and uh, Eddie won't mind me saying this, Mr. Green, uh, they started playing a GN, and it's really high and loud and fast, and he went, stop, stop, and, like, and I went, and he said, why would you let yourself sound that way? So anyway, you know, and I, I just went, oh my gosh. And, and the kids looked and we, and we thought about it and we went back and played it again. And it was a hundred times better, just that little statement. <laughs> so it made the kids go, and I hadn't even heard it myself because we had been rehearsing, but you know, GN Festa was loud and fast and high and we were just overplaying. And so his thing was like, calm down and just play inside your best sound. And that made a big difference in that. So, yeah, those are some things about those two gentlemen that um, I was very, very fortunate to uh, to have those guys as mentors. And you know, something else I want to say. I'm kind of wordy here. No, is uh, I had great uh, people with me uh, at Klein High School, uh, uh, especially later on, uh, uh, Todd Clearwater and Pat Patterson, Merlin Patterson. Uh, Todd Clearwater is now at Klein Oak High School. And uh, uh, Pat Patterson has since retired, brilliant brass technician and pedagogical genius in my word, uh, uh, is I learned so much of them and having them in, on staff. You know, I think one of the scariest uh, moments in my career, I had been really pretty successful uh, with, I, I don't mean that in a bragging way, we'd done pretty well, but then, uh, Pat Patterson and, and Eddie Green were working on some new conceptual things about warm-ups and, and uh, brass warm-ups, and, and they started to utilize those. And I remember being very scared because it was something totally out of my comfort zone. And, you know, I think we can get too comfortable in our jobs, and I had been comfortable. And I hadn't been challenged, and that right at that moment, I realized, man, I've got to keep learning. Got to keep learning, and so I learned so much, mainly brass pedagogy from Merlin Patterson and Eddie Green, and especially warm-ups. I used to not do big deal in warm-ups, but we started to realize, or I started to realize, how important the fundamental things we do every day to warm these students up, to get them to sound better and play in tune and do good intervals and do good articulation and breath control and crescendos and decrescendos. You've got to do it in fundamentals. If you don't, you can't expect it to work in your music. So um, that was a scary time for me, but looking back on it, I grew as a, as a director and a teacher a whole bunch. So it took me about a year to get comfortable again with some of the new concepts, but I'll never forget that. So, so I really feel like you're a master diagnostician when you come in and work with programs. And you have to work right. with so many programs, right? and you have to do it so quickly because you might only have an hour and a half or 45 minutes with 45 that minutes, yeah. ever. Right. So what are some of the quick tips that, and some of the things that you use to really quickly go in there, uh, some uh, helpful things that we might be able to use in our programs? Okay, well that's a great question. Um, so I'm trying, thinking through, uh, number one, you want to sound good, but you know, Texas bands now, 
Most of them do, they do sound good because the teaching is just beyond belief good, high standard. It's so much better than it was years ago. Every year these directors get better. I'm trying to think of the number one thing that I think I address uh, with my groups. And I have some incredible uh, uh, groups that I get to work with. But I, I would say generally, maybe more so in the junior high level is the, uh, I, I would say balance. That I hear, what I'm hearing is brass players playing at a more mature and more resonant and more energized level than the woodwinds. Now, not always, but I'm just thinking in general. And we're, uh, what happens is when the woodwinds have the melody, which is quite a bit, then we're, we're not hearing melody. So I, we do a lot with balancing textures and colors. And to me, being a flute player, the woodwind color is so important. And uh, I feel like that maybe sometimes we, almost some directors, uh, maybe if they're brass players and they're uncomfortable uh, commenting on woodwinds, ignore the woodwinds a little bit. Uh, but anyway, I think woodwinds need to be uh, uh, heard. And uh, now they can't compete with brass. Like when you, if you do a concert F, you always tell the woodwinds, don't try to play louder than the brass. You, it's, it, can't do that and some some of them do so I'm not talking about that so I think it's important that you let the woodwinds play an F or whatever your warm-up note or whatever you're doing woodwinds need to play separately than brass sometimes so they can hear like you play bassoon say I like to the woodwinds to match volume in each section but listen down to the color of the bassoon I think the bassoon is like one of the most beautiful color instruments with the oboe on top and the bassoon in the bottom. And the woodwinds will balance and listen to the bassoons. It'll transform your band sound. And then in, in pieces when you're playing, just be careful when the low brass have these white notes, the half note, half note, whole note, that they're not overplaying. I'll hear great brass sounds and I'll look down and it'll say piano. And here's the flute and clarinet or oboe up here with the melody, and you can't hear it because they can't compete with that. So that would be my number one thing that I guess I hear in doing clinics. Well, Randy, thank you so much, and it's been so nice reconnecting hey, you with bet. you I again. And thank you for being on the program, and we'll have to get you on again soon. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Clef. For more great content, subscribe on our website at beyondthecleft.com. And be sure to follow us on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Facebook.